0: Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live, and today we have one of the stars of American Carnage with us, Baya Ortiz. Baya, thank you so much for being here with us. How are you doing? Thank you
1: so much for having me. I- I'm doing, I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited about this chat. Uh, I don't know if you watched the interview yesterday with Julio and Diego. I loved the movie. I loved all the characters. You are by far one of the more fascinating characters as mika (laughs) in the movie we'll be getting to that in a little bit just a reminder to all the viewers out there american carnage is coming out one week from today july 15th friday to uh select theaters across the country and video on demand so you guys definitely gotta check this out so let's just jump right into it. it mika is like i said by far one of the most fascinating characters in american carnage how much did you know about your character during the audition process
1: um uh, like i didn't know much about her um and what was what really stood out to me about this um this project was well after knowing that I that I booked the role and, you know, onboarding and moving forward with the with the project is um, Diego immediately reached out to me and to each and every one of us individually and started um, a conversation about our like an open dialogue about our characters immediately, even before we got to set. And um, that really stood out to me because it really set the precedent that what i was about to embark on and work on was uh, a project that really valued artists Mm -hmm. and i felt like here was the first time that i'm not just showing up and, and just playing a part that i'm actually um that someone's actually curious about how i want to approach the character and what ideas i have and you know an open discussion doesn't necessarily always mean that you know the ideas that i have are the ones that are that are, we're going to move forward with but um i mean that's what collaboration is all about exactly. so i think that honestly the the character of mika was um a joint effort and um that we really discovered who she was um, when like by trial and error you know
0: so mika i mean after you booked the role and you saw and you spoke with diego julio and you got to see the full arc of this character what were your thoughts on mika
1: um i was a little hesitant at first (laughs) i'll say that much um But then the more that I really you know decided to take that um that advice that uh is given to most actors about not judging your characters Mm -hmm. I was able to see it in a completely new lens where I saw that we both shared um like a common start point where we're both white latinx women Mm -hmm. and I was able to really use that as the I guess that was the 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 opening or the inception of me being able to like open my mind and imagination of what could my life look like if I made different choices.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when it did come time to shoot uh, and you're on set, Mika is the way it's described, is an American uh, citizen with Argentinian heritage. What did you do? What kind of backstory did you create for Mika to help you play the role properly? Like what made what put her into the circumstances that we first see her in in the movie?
1: Um, So one of the reasons why I was um, immediately drawn to this project is because I'm an immigrant myself. My mom and I moved to the States when she was 25 and I was four. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were undocumented for a lot of my my early life here in the United States. And I became a citizen at 17. Mm -hmm. So using that, like, so that in my personal life and in, in seeing reading a script like this and um, it was just kind of like a no-brainer like how could I how could I not <laughs> do it and move forward or even just audition for it in the, in the beginning because that's something that uh, personally I'm very passionate about and I've never seen the the um, immigration um, like tackled in this kind of way mm-hmm. So, with that, um, I was able to really kind of put myself in in the place of of Mika as coming from immigrant parents. and there there was a lot of crossover in in that respect. Um, so that's I kind of used my personal life in order to kind of like as a starting place.
0: Exactly. Now, you mentioned uh, Diego Julio reached out to all of you guys to have conversations uh when you were shooting did they give you guys a leeway to explore your characters see what works what doesn't work i mean how did it all play out
1: yeah definitely i i would definitely describe both of them as like uh true artists uh where they they value collaboration because i mean Whatever you see on screen, it's, it's a joint effort of, you know, makeup, styling, special effects, um, you know, the director, the writer, there's so, there's so many hands involved in just the creation of one character and throughout the whole entire process, Um, It was really nice, like even in terms of uh, fittings and uh, trying to find uh, Mika's style and wardrobe. Mm -hmm. There were certain things that were presented to me that, you know, I didn't necessarily see fitting. And um, because they had established that open line of communication very early on, I felt very comfortable about saying, you know, I, I don't think that this is this is Mika's style or um, like this is the the realm. Um, but how about this? Mm-hmm. But I I was always I always followed up with you know a solution because you should never bring up a problem. A problem yeah. Out. Yeah. If you don't if you don't have something to kind of um, solve it, so yeah. Uh, so yeah.
0: your character is very vocal uh, when you're we guys are all sitting in the cafeteria in the detention center. Of being, let's see, a left-wing vegan democratic socialist. That yes. is how Mika describes herself. Uh, in your opinion, was that all designed to make her feel, uh, make the character feel authentic?
1: Um, I think so, but I also think it's uh, it, it was intentional in the in the respect of, I see Mika as the type of like young woman who um she is very she really believes truly and passionately that everything that she does is for a better good Mm -hmm. um whether that be the objective truth or not i think that uh she is one of those passionate individuals that is like is hungry to to live for something that's that's bigger than herself um So I think that all of those adjectives or markers that she describes herself with is kind of, uh, it's about that, about being, wanting to be a a strong woman and a strong individual and trying to, to do what's right or at least what she thinks is right.
0: So in your opinion, the ends justify the means for her and whatever needs to be done, no matter how ugly it needs to be done yes okay that makes perfect sense now you spoke about wardrobe you wear a t-shirt in the movie that says i'm not a zombie i don't eat flesh uh we're we're not giving away (laughs) any spoilers but would you say this was a clever little easter egg and foreshadowing into the coming events of the film
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes 100 percent. also um speaking of t-shirts i want to say that I always love tuning in because w- one of the things that I get excited about tuning in on your show is what T-shirt is he going to wear today?
0: What's he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's a process. Like
1: racks and racks of.
0: No, I go. Who's my guest today? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> does this work? I'm like, you know what? With uh, Bella, I'm gonna go with Jason Voorhees. I don't know why, but it, it was calling to me.
1: <laughs> I like it, I like it.
0: <laughs> now, when you saw that shirt, the whole Zom, not a zombie, I don't need flesh, uh, wh- what were your thoughts on that shirt that you know the, the wardrobe department picked out?
1: Um, you know, I thought it was <laughs> a little cheeky, I guess, uh-huh. um, but also it, it, it really. It really streamlined with with Mika's, I guess, like advocacy for you know being a vegan and being these things and like taking taking a stance and getting behind like a cause. I feel like she is the type of person that once she decides that something is her belief or her perspective, she's gonna just you know like essentially cover herself in that and not afraid of being too bold or too brazen. yeah uh, because of that.
0: And I mentioned this to Diego and Julio yesterday. A big factor as to why this movie works is how they brought in uh, fresh young talent like yourself and a lot of the other cast members as well as bringing in some veterans like Eric Dane. Uh, You shared some scenes with uh, Eric. What was it like working with him and some of the other veteran cast members?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, initially, when when I first um, got the news that I was cast and, you know, we were moving forward, I, I was a little bit anxious because... know i was was seeing the rest of the cast and and like thinking that you know i'm i'm not as seasoned as everyone else and so i didn't really know how that that would play out um like chemistry wise or anything um on set or offset but honestly every everyone was was so giving and um really like really present and i think a lot of it has to do with like the all of the principal cast, we are all Latinx artists mm-hmm. and, and actors and we all come from different backgrounds, so I think that because this project was so different and so unique by like uh, essentially saying yes and moving forward with it is is taking on that responsibility of realizing that, you know, we we are vessels to tell this important story that's not often even talked about or seen in the media in mm-hmm. this kind of way. Um, so just the, the rapport with everybody on set and like offset. Um, was was really nice and really lovely and, and i had a blast i mean we were in madrid for goodness sakes for two months like I mean, yeah that was a dream come true like you know I, I told my mom i'm like hey i'm gonna fly you out come visit me <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome now mika and jp who is played by jorge uh you guys have some very intimate moments in and in, in the film now, when it comes to uh, let's you know, American Carnage, and you and Jorge have these intimate moments, and you have to show that chemistry to the audience. Uh, do you guys talk it through? Uh, in this instance, how did you and Jorge collaborate to make sure that it came across believable and that the audience felt the chemistry?
1: Yeah. Um. Honestly, it was interesting because uh, that was my first, I guess. Like a uh, big featured, uh-huh. like intimate, like on screen kiss or anything like that. So I was kind of in in the in the area where I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Um, so. Go like I was a little bit nervous myself, but honestly, uh, everyone on set was really great about having discussions with us in terms of boundaries and and what we felt safe with, which um, I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, like him and I, we kind of took the approach of we didn't really do much discussing about it uh, beforehand because. Um, you know, in the scene, it's it's them kind of giving into this intimate moment um, for like for the first time. So it's not like the characters really had any kind of rapport about it, um, and I think that's kind of how we approached it in like real time in the scene, where it's you know two young people that are a- attracted to each other, yeah. and um, you know it's it's kind of like it, it, it helped, I guess, that that tension of like okay, you know, like, is this gonna happen? Is it not like that flirtatious banter and I think, him and I, because we hadn't spoken about it before really, except like the few moments before, like they called action, Um, like kind of like giddy, like, ooh, like, you know, we haven't done this before as like professional actors. So like, what's gonna happen? It really like gave to that youthful kind
0: of- That's great. Yeah. Yeah, You guys didn't overthink it, you know? Right, exactly,
1: yeah. You just sort of
0: went with the flow. So when you saw the finished product, okay, when you saw American Carnage all packaged up, ready for the audience, uh, first off, what were your thoughts overall on the film?
1: So I actually have not seen it. <laughs> I have, um, I have decided to like delay, you know, the gratification, and I'm, I'm waiting with everybody else on July fifteenth to, awesome. to, to watch it for the first time. So are you going to go would...
0: watch it at the big screen on the big screen?
1: Definitely, of course, definitely.
0: of course. And
1: I am going to be very dramatic about it because, <laughs> uh, you know, why not?
0: <laughs> now You know, this is a very big social political commentary film. And uh, like I told the guys yesterday, if this was done seven or ten years ago, it would totally be in the realm of satire. But unfortunately, uh, reality has become a lot scarier than fiction this is a very important story it needs to be told and even the extreme parts that julio and diego push it to it needs to go that way to sort of get the message across what are your thoughts on the social political commentary of american carnage
1: i mean uh, like you know like i mentioned earlier i i was undocumented for a lot of um, my formative years and and I became a citizen at at 17. And um, I think that uh, a a big point that I'm really um, passionate about is kind of changing the narrative of, I think that a lot of people have in their mind that people who are undocumented or or illegal, Mm -hmm are coming into this country with the intention of not even like doing right. it the right way
0: to rape village um, and if you have believed these right wing nuts to cause all kind of havoc yeah. around the world yeah
1: exactly exactly but like from firsthand experience, the process is very hard.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: could be, you could, you could be coming into this country and doing everything "quote unquote" the right way through the paperwork. But it's not just like going down to the DMV and it's like filling out some forms and boom, there you're an yeah. immigrant, or you're, yeah, you go from being an immigrant to a, a citizen. And um, I mean, my dad's a United States citizen.
0: Yeah. I was born
1: right. in Chile, and it's like. A lot of people are like, oh, huh? Like, did you not just get naturalized? Like, why didn't you just become a, a, just immediately a citizen? I'm just like, cause that's just not how it yeah. it works. Yeah. Or at least in, in our specific case, it's, it's not how it works. And I mean, my mom, when it's, it's a very familiar story to a lot of um, immigrants and first-generation children, but my mom came here you know when she was 25 she was young she didn't know any english she's like Mm -hmm. the the youngest of 10 in her family and the only one to ever leave the country and like they do that and my mom did that for you know for a better life for me first so i feel like it's always the children first and then eventually if my child can like have a good life then 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 i can follow suit. And um, my mom had to sacrifice a lot to come here. Uh, when my abuelito was sick, like her dad, who she was so close to, we couldn't even visit. She couldn't even attend the funeral wow. because we were still undocumented. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just it, it angers me so much how um, people don't even bother to, I guess, educate themselves and. In, in, it, it, it's almost like they just chalk it up to just being one thing. And if if you're here and undocumented, then it must be f- because of evil uh, reasonings. Evil or, intentions. Yeah, yeah. evil and, intentions.
0: Thank you, yeah. And your story is not that different from mine. I'm the only one. My mother, my father, my brother were all born in Greece. I'm the first one to be born in the United States. I remember my family having to study to become naturalized citizens you got to take it you got to go to a courthouse and you got to yeah they'll ask you who's the president of the united states and they'll ask you constitutional questions and
1: it's expensive it's an expensive yeah.
0: process yeah. <laughs> this is back in the 80s now and you know my parents don't didn't know english and this is um I put this on my on my mom, but she never really took the time. To this day, she cannot really put a full English sentence together because living in New York City you could totally isolate yourself in your yeah. ethnic community and so on. But yeah, it, it's a process and a lot of people who are born in this country and are second, third, fourth generation don't understand that what america stands for is to come here and get, get give yourself a better life and that really seems to have been forgotten now uh going back to the movie i mean what was your overall experience working with the hall brothers uh working seeing them together on the set did they have good synergy with each other did the guy good chemistry with the cast how would you describe yeah. that experience working with I, them
1: i think that they um they exemplify just such a great working partnership i know that like usually it's said that you know you shouldn't work with friends or families yeah. or family members because of like you know they're the closest to you so um you can really push their buttons but um i feel like you know i hadn't known them prior so i i I didn't know any history of, of how they worked together, but, uh, on set, just, just watching them. Um, it seemed like they had very clear established boundaries and, and that, um, it it was a good workflow. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, looking at your resume, uh, you started professionally like sometime in the 2016, 2015, you've Mm -hmm. done like (laughs) one other feature film, but you know, Looking back, will you say that this movie uh, was like the big break that you needed in your career Uh, and you're grateful to Diego and Julio for casting you and it was such a great movie, it's such a great part for you? and you're just really excited and you're going to look back on this five ten years when you're this big hollywood star and you're like it was american carnage that, that. Good
1: job, uh, are you like saying the answer for me is this are you like my head and say yes hey, yeah,
0: i'm just going to, you know doing a little Honestly. fast forward five ten years i mean do you no see i mean this, that?
1: This, yeah this, this project will always hold a special place in my heart at the time i was living in chicago and it was uh, pre-pandemic, so most auditions were done in person. Like uh, the the self, like now everything self-taped. I yeah. mean, look at us now. And um, so I had put myself on tape for it. And um, my manager Carlos, he had sent me the audition. Uh, he's he was based in LA, and he sent me the audition. And um, you know, I, I was really excited about it. I put myself on tape for it, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, When I booked it, it was just such a rewarding moment because at that time um carlos had um started his own business i think three years prior mm-hmm. and he took me on as as a client I, I have to do a shout out here though because the only reason that carlos is, is my incredible amazing manager is because his wife has me i met her at 14 years old we went to wow. high school together in bakersfield california that was um, so cool so <laughs> she she introduced us and um you know, this was the first project that I booked um with like with his his hard work and labor um being my manager. And you know, I really think that managers and, and agents, it's sometimes a thankless job because yeah they're out there working so hard for you every single day and pitching you and they don't get paid unless, you know, we book something and we get paid. And so I just remember when I got the news, I was just like so happy and I was crying and I was on the phone with him and I'm just like, you know, thank you so much for, you know, really just seeing something and, and believing in me because you know, especially going from a big company and then starting your own business, you're one person. So, exactly. the the talent that you take it's on it's like the Jerry. I don't
0: know if you've seen Jerry Maguire, but
1: yeah, 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 it's
0: like the Jerry Maguire story. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so then, like, I know that you know, having not booked anything in in that time of of working with him. Um, you know, I'm taking essentially somebody's place that that might be, you know, booking something every single week and, yeah. and putting money in his pocket. But I mean, I think that's what really sets him apart um, as a manager is that he really believes in in, in representing. Um,
0: uh, like he believes in minority.
1: you? Yeah. Uh, and just people that are not um, equally represented and mm-hmm. he wants to uplift those voices. So. Definitely, just even from that, and then just moving forward with the project and seeing how collaborative everything was, it was it was really rewarding, you know, as an artist. So it will always hold a special place in my heart. So uh, everything that you said, yes, uh, my answer. Is-
0: <laughs> that is That's awesome. Fun. That's a beautiful story. So one last question before we go. Now, when the movie. Huh, comes- just one more. <laughs> when the movie comes out next week and you know Mika is seen by a lot of people. Uh, people are going to walk <laughs> away. We're not giving any way. We're not giving away any spoilers. But people are going to walk away. Are you at all fearful that Mika is going to be un- misunderstood or you know what what we see on the screen that's what Mika really is. That's all she is. There's no hidden story there the Mika that we're going to see is the real Mika. What are your feelings on that?
1: Um, oh, well, I don't know how to really navigate this without like getting like too into the spoiler category, but I think that there, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, like not judging your characters is what, you know, actors set out to do when they when they first take on a role. And I feel like as as audience members, I think that every single person or character in a story has has its purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, human beings, we're all very complex. <laughs> and I don't think that you, it, it, it's not necessarily black and white where you can say, you know, one person is ultimately all good or yeah. another another is all bad. I think that we were, we're a combination of a lot of things and
0: um I well, hope but that you can tell the audience that mika truly believes in what she's doing
1: yeah i think i think that she truly believes in what she's doing which is it's it's very interesting um in terms of these types of characters um to kind of have that understanding because then I feel like it makes them very human. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it gives way um, for, it opens a door for empathy. Because I think that in in our own daily lives, um, if we're just so quick to completely write someone off as just inherently being one type of way, um, you're really doing yourself a disservice in terms of like humanity and human mm-hmm. connection um, because I think that uh, everyone has redeemable qualities mm-hmm. um, and there there's so many things that we're continually working on as, as people and um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily right to completely write someone off of um, not, available or giving them any kind of um redemption yeah at any point in their life i i i think as a culture and a society you know especially with cancel culture there Mm -hmm. there's also something to be said of allowing people to learn and grow Mm -hmm. and if you completely write off somebody for one thing that they did then i think it it goes into territory that for children especially in like youth growing up in in this culture in this um technological world mm-hmm. i think it i've seen a lot of kids even just be scared yeah. to do or say anything mm-hmm. or to voice any kind of opinions of their own for fear that maybe one day it will no longer be right and i think that especially on the subject of children it's um you're taking away a, their sense of kind of like um, identity. or trying to figure out
0: who they are, who they are in, yeah. in, in
1: the world of their own. And I, I know, as like you know, as a kid and you know a preteen, especially like having gone to very religious schooling, th- there are things that at a as four, at a fourteen year old that I thought that is completely so different from the person that I am today and that I've grown into being. Um, And yeah, I I think that we need to be very compassionate. uh, And and
0: And not try to put everybody in a box. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not all exactly. about that. And you answer to that beautifully tiptoeing around the spoiler <laughs> landmines. <laughs> I want to thank our guest Bayard sure. Ortiz for joining us today. Again, the movie uh, is coming out a week from today, July 15th in theaters and video on demand. It's called American Carnage. I'm giving this my 100% recommendation. That's why we've oh, had God. two back to back uh guests from the movie itself we got to hear from the writers and directors we got to hear from the star of one of the stars of the movie today check it out you're going to love this movie it's great and there'll be twists and turns you won't see coming uh beya do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go um Thank you so
1: much for, for uh, having me on as a guest. Um,
0: my pleasure. my I feel, pleasure. I feel
1: like I, I discovered, you know, certain things in, in, in retrospect and mm-hmm. in, in reflection in my conversation with you. Um, so thank you.
0: Yeah, that's my pleasure. It was, I can't believe, let's see, we're well past 30 minutes. Uh, thank you so hey. much to <laughs> uh, This has been a great interview. I want to thank our audience, those who are tuning in live and those who are going to watch this later on. On behalf of Bayo Ortiz and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Ciao.